listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this November the 5th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me, my co-host is going to be Pastor Wes Reimnitz. And we were thinking over the weekend, what are we going to talk about this coming Thursday? If you'll remember last Thursday, we dealt with a letter from one of our listeners uh, to the pastor of the church that the listener attends, complaining about the fact that many members do not understand yet how to conquer what the world is saying. And so we thought, well, let's wait till after the election and see if there's something that may come up. And sure enough, there was something that came up. We're not going to be talking about who you should have voted for, or this kind of thing, because those names aren't in the Bible. And as Lutherans, we will talk about uh, political matters that God talks about. And one of the items that we heard, there was a senator from California, her name is Feinstein, and she was at a table with a microphone, and she thought the microphone was off. Uh, this is something, by the way, <laughs> we got to be careful of, too, in the studio. Uh, a lot of times we make a point, don't we, Wes? Don't say anything that you don't want to go over the radio. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we don't say anything about our wives, okay? <laughs> Nothing but good. Oh, that's all there is. Yes. But I remember KMOX had this lady, and she was a well-known uh, person, um, and, and she had a program, and she didn't realize a mic was on, and she ended up saying a statement that was racist. And Ooh. she was always complaining that uh, certain people were on KMOX she didn't believe should be there. And then she got fired because of her racial statement. But what was the statement that Feinstein said in light of the fact that she was talking about the uh, latest Supreme Court uh, Justice uh, Barrett? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Tucker Carlson on uh, Fox News brought up the uh, quotation, and you can get it on YouTube, and it's this, that she is pro-life, so I suspect with her is deeply personal and comes with her religion. And, uh, of course, uh, she they showed a, a 217 statement publicly yes. when, when Barrett was uh, about to be... Uh, adopted as a judge at that time and said religion is is deeply personal for her religion has its own dogma so uh, she was uh, coming after her for her religious beliefs especially in pro-life now what feinstein is representing and she's not the only one there's probably people in both parties who have this idea that religion is a personal matter and they don't mind you talking about your views in church, etc. But they really believe you ought not bring them into the public square. 
and therefore vote on the basis of them because those are religious views. In, in fact, in Canada, the uh, prime minister there is trying to get a law passed that anybody who speaks out against abortion or um, homosexuality and other immoralities from a biblical point of view, when you speak out against them, that will be considered a hate crime and you may be arrested for that. In fact, a pastor in Western Canada was arrested and fined for putting up a sign against homosexuality, and all he had were Bible verses from the Old Testament. And yet, that was considered a hate crime. So, here's our goal for today. When your members in a Lutheran congregation or a Christian congregation hear somebody say that, you can have your personal religious opinion, just don't bring it into governmental affairs or into the public square and talk about it. How do Christians respond to that? That's our goal for today. So, yeah. Okay. So it's our goal for today. How would we, we begin speaking about that? Well, the first thing I would say is something you brought up to me is, Hmm that we discuss with, and I'm going to put it this way, we discuss with believers in a different way than we're discussing with unbelievers. Uh, For example, in Uber, when I have a passenger and we're talking, uh, we get into religion, I always want to know whether they're a believer in Jesus Christ or an unbeliever. It doesn't matter to me if they're Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Roman Catholic. If they're a believer, I would speak differently with them. Let me me give you two examples. On evolution, if I'm talking with a believer, I would use the Bible verses in order to show that creation, six-day, 24-hour, is far better than evolution which is a figment of the imagination of bad scientists. But if I'm talking to an unbeliever about evolution, I wouldn't use the Bible because they don't believe the Bible. What I would use are the best scientific facts that we have. Uh, For example, when somebody finds a diamond and they think it took, say, thousands of years Uh, they say, well, that's how old the earth must be. They got the earth being so old that it's, you know, a billion years old plus. Whereas proper scientists, they discover that the earth is far younger than that because the amount of certain gases in the atmosphere that if the earth was billion years old, there would be a lot more of those gases. The point I'm making from a scientific point of view, you can show an unbeliever that creation is a far better option than evolution. And Mm -hmm. the other matter, uh, let me just do this one, is abortion. If I'm talking to a believer, I would definitely be using the Bible. But unbelievers don't believe the Bible. So what would I use then? 
I would use pardon? science. You use no. medical science. Medical. That's right. And I, I would point out, uh, for example, when Roe v. Wade was adopted, they had views of uh, the baby in the womb that are not correct. They now know that a baby has tremendous pain when an abortion takes place at a certain age of the baby in the womb. And there are states that will not allow abortions after that. So from a medical point of view, I think you got plenty of evidence that a baby in the womb is a human being with rights. And, and so to say that this is a religious point of view and we cannot mention our religious views, that is not correct because who doesn't have a religious point of view? Point of view. Yeah, I, got, I came to that same conclusion in, in my readings last night, especially when you look at, at an atheist who says in his heart there is no God. That is a religious point of view. Yes. In fact, I know atheists who are against abortion because they've been convinced from medicine that that really is a human being. So you don't have to be religious in the sense of belonging to a Christian church uh, to believe uh, contrary to evolution, contrary to abortion, because there is no evidence that you can give to an unbeliever that the Bible is true. And we get that from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Here's what it says. The natural man... That, that's the unbeliever, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I, I read an article recently that had this statement in it that really helped me understand. And here was the statement. There is nothing so clear in the Christian faith that faith is not necessary to believe it. Mm. In other words, no matter what is the essence of the Christian faith, and we're not talking about historical facts, because, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, there's no doubt that they have found an area of land where it appears these cities were vanquished uh, by fire or whatever. But that's not the essence of Sodom and Gomorrah because the Christian teaching is they were vanquished because of their immorality. Right. And that cannot be seen by just looking at the charred remains. So until you have faith, it is really impossible to understand and agree with any part of the Bible when it deals with the Christian faith. Okay, I, I accept your line of thought, but that, that brings up a, a, a question that, I, that uh, I was posing to you the other day. I mean, how can you vote 
for somebody who supports abortion and say that you're a, you're a Christian? Yeah, that's um, a question that could be in the political realm because a lot of times you don't have a choice. Uh, you may have, well, each state has two senators. What if they're both pro-abortion? Mm. Do you therefore not vote for either one? Well, if you're going to vote, you would vote for the one who has other points of view that are not as bad. And so we do not indicate, in fact, in fact I talked about this yesterday on CFW Walther, where he was giving 18 ways in which pastors make a mistake in saying who is a Christian. And one of the ways is, he says, some pastors say that if you are a Christian, you will not fear death. Is that correct? Yeah, right. We're, we're instilled with a, with a fear of death to begin with. Yeah, we talked about that. And remember, about the only people I've run into who are not afraid of death are, are not young people. They're enjoying life. But usually elderly shut-ins whose spouse has died, they either have no children or they live far away. And when you go visit them and give them communion, they often say, Pastor, why is God allowing me to continue to live? I so wish I could die and be in heaven. Uh, I think that's an excellent thing. I've seen that uh, many times in calling on shut-ins. And, uh, you know, I can I can distinctly remember saying to them, you know, you're the matriarch or you're the patriarch of the family. And they still look up to, to the value systems that you talk about, especially your faith. So God has a reason for you. And I know in several instances they went on to to, to uh, communicate that to the family, especially on their deathbed. And uh, it helped change some of the grandkids' views. Yes. So back to the point we're making, I personally obviously am against abortion. And therefore, to vote for someone who is for it, boy, there'd have to be a, a lot of other things considered here. But the fact of the matter is, it would be, I think, wrong for a pastor to say that anybody who votes for someone who is for abortion, that means that that person is not a Christian. Mm -hmm. CFW Walter makes a clear point that, boy, Christians sometimes do worse sins than unbelievers do. Well, that brings up the whole story of Second uh, Samuel 12 of David and when he, and in chapter 11 where he, he has an illicit affair with uh, Bathsheba. Yes. And Nathan comes and talks about him, how he had her husband Uriah killed in battle and uh, had committed a sin there. That's an excellent point. And it was a horrible sin. In fact, he not only broke the sixth commandment, he broke every one of the commandments, one through 10. And when the prophet came to him and said, you have sinned, he recognized that, said, I have sinned against the Lord, and he repented of it. And the prophet forgave that sin. 
but he still had the consequences of that sin with the death of the son that he and Bathsheba had. Exactly. Yeah, that was one I put in my notes, that repentance and faith. So our leaders can can err in what they're doing, but there's always a way back, and that is through the cross of Christ. So I want to get back to another point you were making, um, and I think this is an answer that Christians can give to individuals who say, okay, you have your religious belief, just don't bring it into the public square. And you made the point that everyone has a God, even atheists. And would you tell our audience what the first commandment says, according to Martin Luther? Well, you you should appear in love, trust God above all things, and not have uh, false idols. Yes. So the thing that I was taught in confirmation, and I continue to teach that, is a God is simply that which you trust. And therefore, somebody who believes, let's say, in evolution, they have a God, and they trust what I call historical scientists. Uh, Historical scientists is somebody who realizes it takes thousands of years for something like a diamond to occur in the ground. And so they jump to the conclusion that the earth must be at least as old as diamonds are or as old as oil is without realizing Mm. that if a doctor had walked into the Garden of Eden uh, five days after Adam and Eve had been created, he never would have guessed that they were five days old. Oh, and in uh, with with what Luther talks about in first uh, in the Ten Commandments in the large catechism, idolatry does not consist merely of erecting an image and praying to it. It is primarily in the heart, which pursues other things and seeks help and consolation from creatures, saints, or devils. Yes. In fact, what I would say to the Dion Feinsteins is, how can you be against murder? Because Mm. that is a religious point of view. And yet, if you were a shopkeeper with your daughter and crooks came in to steal stuff and they shot your daughter and your daughter died, you want to be able to say, well, I don't want to say that they were wrong because that's a religious point of view. I need to be quiet about that. That's how ridiculous is this notion that Christians cannot bring their religious points of view into the public square. I think that's that's an important, extremely important point because we've discussed this before that 90% of all Americans believe in God. It's just uh, who is that God and what has that God done? Yes, they'll say, I believe in God. But the other 10% also have a God. Whatever they trust and therefore... What right do they have to bring their view into the public square? 
I think what we're really dealing with, and this is important for Christians to understand, is our teaching of free speech. The United States is really special about that. For, for example, in other countries, uh, even if you talk about Nazis, you can be arrested, uh, like in Germany and places like that. They're not allowed to speak about them. And as I was saying, in Canada, uh, people are arrested for what they say. I have no problem with somebody in my cab saying, I do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. I don't believe he's the Messiah. He was just a regular man who got crucified. He's dead. He's buried. We should give anyone the right to say that because we live in a country of free speech. And that opens up the possibility of a Christian then talking to them about the truth of the Bible. And hopefully through hearing the gospel, the Holy Spirit creates faith in them. And everything in the Bible then looks differently. I think that's an excellent point you bring. Our Constitution has its roots in, in England out of the Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta was actually had more clergy than lay people show up. It was the clergy sitting standing behind the lay people that were signing the Magna Carta. So, you know, we've, we've got strong Christian roots, especially with that free right to, to speak our minds, whether we agree with them or disagree with them. Yes, it, it seems to me that every time we make a statement, it's always from a religious point of view. So let's say somebody has no problem with uh, gay marriage uh, between people of the same gender. That's a religious point of view because they believe that. Now, they're wrong on that because God's word is clearly saying that gay marriage is an abomination before Almighty God. But why should we be told that we can't say what God says from our religious point of view, but they can say what they want to say? Say That's right. And, and the other other thing that uh, is that I bring up as a scriptural reference is, is Acts chapter four, where Peter and and John, we're told that uh, they are brought before rulers, elders, scribes, gathered together in Jerusalem to to hear him speak, and they they told them not to say anything right about about Jesus. And, of course, they give that wonderful witness. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we must be, you know, obviously willing to talk to to our leaders and to, to people out there in the, in the public square. And when we are told to be quiet, then that Bible verse comes through, we obey God rather than man. Exactly. That's really the answer that Christians can give to people. And and so there's two points we want to make. When you run into somebody who says you should keep your religious views to yourself, the one thing you can do is show them they're not keeping their religious views to themselves. 
even though they may not think it's part of their religion, it is because whatever you trust is your God. And the second mm. thing, we speak differently to believers than we do to unbelievers. To believers, we use the scripture. To unbelievers, we can use a lot of evidence outside of the scripture uh, to show against, say, evolution, abortion, homosexuality, etc. Now, when you want to witness the faith to an unbeliever, then you do what Jesus says in Mark, that repentance and preaching the gospel takes place. And so that's another option. But we dare not be quiet when somebody tells us that we have to be quiet. Uh, well said. I, I I think you really answered a lot of questions I was posing to you the other day. They're just really succinct, you know, and how we witness to believers, unbelievers in this uh, political unrest that we see going on around us. Yes, in fact, there's so much uh, to talk about this. I may continue this with Open Mic Friday. You can email me a question at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and we may continue this conversation. I'm Tom Baker and Wes Reinitz, my co-host for Rumination Thursday. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.